Hello and welcome back to Take My Advice, I'm Not Using It, episode number 28 of this work-life podstorm, very near the end, and this is actually the last of the newsletters that I'm going to be recalling. The last three episodes, starting tomorrow, are going to be some highlights from series one, Take My Advice. So without further ado, I'm going to move on to the second part of my analysis about the evolution of flexible work. I hope you enjoy Here's part two of how businesses can use my joint framework to evolve their flexible work-life design and create a platform for long-term innovation and growth. You can listen to the first part on yesterday's episode of Take My Advice, which was episode number 27. So the third part of my joint framework is insights. There's nothing less human in many people's minds than data. However, the most creative companies and individuals understand the importance of clear outcomes and a short feedback loop that helps them learn quickly. Data and insights help us make better, faster decisions, particularly in understanding how we use our time. More on that shortly. Stephen Kotler, author and founder of the Flow Research Collective, has shown that if we increase our opportunities for flow by only 20%, our productivity doubles. With that comes not only increased engagement and happiness, but crucially, dramatically improved creativity and problem solving. You don't have to extrapolate much further to see the benefits this brings to business outcomes like increasing customer loyalty and profitability. Put another way, as McKinsey has proven, creative leaders deliver a 70% increase in average revenue and EBITDA. Convinced yet? Data and insights it brings positively impact business performance. But to fully realise the benefits, you need to ask the following questions. What do we need to measure and how do we collect this consistently? Can we access the information when and where we need it? The answers to these questions look different for every company, of course, but here are a couple of initial suggestions. An excellent starting point for measuring the outcomes I suggested in the first part of this article is using Net Promoter Score. The percentage of people likely to recommend the company to a friend or colleague can help judge customer experience, NPS, and employee experience, ENPS. NPS can be a useful leading indicator of longer-term financial metrics, the direction of travel at least. Consistent improvements tend to correlate with improved business performance. While its simplicity is a benefit, it's straightforward to track, the logical next step is to consider which variables affect changes in the score. To that end, OKRs, Objectives and Key Results, can help track and align a broader range of objectives and work best when managed collaboratively at each level, employee, team, leadership and not cascaded from above. You can find plenty written about OKRs online, but the best place to start is John Durr's book, Measure what matters. OKRs, the simple idea that drives 10x growth. Trust is vital in creating the perfect conditions for flexible work to become a competitive advantage. To achieve this, we need to create a positive accountability culture, which depends upon making expectations, measurements and feedback crystal clear. So the next part, nudges. Netflix CEO Reed Hastings talks a lot about modelling behaviour. What he's getting at is the idea that just saying something isn't enough. You have to live it, and that starts with leadership. I'm sure we've all experienced a boss who sends messages at 8pm on a Sunday evening. How do you feel when that same person starts talking about creating a culture which encourages a healthy work-life balance? You're full of shit would be a reasonable response. Similarly, if you recognise the value of building in times for focused work and downtime, for example, then everyone in the organisation needs to stick to it. There's one more issue, though. With the best intentions and the insights to support us, we all still require help to continually make the right decisions and practice habits 
that enable high performance over a sustained period, which is where behavioural science can help. Nudges can provide positive reinforcement and suggestions to influence decision making, helping achieve two objectives. Number one, once you establish norms, such as limitations on meeting lengths or periods in which you can switch off all notifications, nudges take potentially difficult decisions out of people's hands. For example, a countdown timer on meetings and a hard stop, like the meeting auto-closing, or interruption blockers, stopping emails, instant messages, or calls coming through, discourages inefficient use of time. Number two, the simple fact that nudges are in place to follow through on agreed systems demonstrates leadership's commitment to flexible work and well-being, which creates a system of trust and support. Now, nudges can come from people or technology. What's critical here is delivering positive interventions while avoiding interruptions during focused work periods. Some have concerns that this approach sniffs of social engineering. However, combining an intentional approach to nudging with modelling from leadership fosters a culture of autonomous decision-making. For over 10 years, Lajlo Bock built and led human resources for Google, during which time he revolutionised recruitment and people analytics. The author of Work Rules is now CEO of Humu, a behavioural change tech company that's demonstrated that nudging can be highly effective at encouraging autonomy while improving business performance, as he outlines in this example. I quote, We send nudges to the managers encouraging them to talk to the employees about how their work is actually making a difference in people's lives. The combination of those things caused people to feel that they had more autonomy and freedom in their jobs. We saw an 8% productivity improvement in this group, which translated into a $200 million net income improvement for the company. So that's the kind of things you can do when you start from the premise of what's actually going to drive human performance, and it's treating people better, not worse. End quote. The objective should be to demonstrate through actions that work-life design is not a nice-to-have, it's a business imperative. Finally, time. The point of all the above is to emphasise the value of our time and create a framework to guide how we use it. As Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella recently said, time in an attention economy is the only scarce commodity. I was chatting with the CEO of a fast-growing SaaS business the other day who told me that his PA is now scheduling blocks of time throughout the week for him to get some exercise. Brilliant, I said. I'm certain you'll see the benefit. After all, there's plenty of evidence showing the link between the benefits of an active body and mind. It raised a question for me, though. In the absence of a PA, how does the rest of the company approach scheduling their week? How can they ensure they allow time for exercise and, for that matter, any of the other pressing things in life? Flexible work-life design is the answer. In the case above, the CEO in question does a great job of modelling the need for breaks and taking opportunities to stay healthy and active, which is the crucial point. If we get this bit right, the work-life design flywheel starts rolling. We experience the complementary benefits of rest, exercise, focus time and collaboration, all of, it, all of which results in better decision-making and an increased probability of delivering results. As we reimagine what work looks like, We must take the opportunity to change our expectations of how people use their time, not to squeeze more out of them and run the risk of burnout, which manifests manifests through physical exhaustion, cynicism, and ultimately diminished performance. At its best, flexible work increases employee happiness and reduces churn while creating innovative, long-lasting businesses. I'd love to hear how your organisation has approached the evolution of flexible work, so please get in touch if you'd like to discuss this or any of the themes in this podcast. Thanks for listening. 
please make sure you subscribe to Future Work Life and Substack and to this podcast. Have a great day.